Also, no endgame spoilers. I'm seeing it Tuesday. Uh, I'm seeing it after the podcast. So I, I, I did have to send one spoiler in the chat. It's okay. I don't have so the chat for endgame. Okay. I'm going to look. I'm not. I but can't then, tell what it is. But then again, if it's I, a, if you click on it, it's an actual spoiler with like the Avengers Endgame poster. Oh, okay, on. fair uh, enough. You are so funny. One <laughs> <laughs> Endgame spoiler. <laughs> All right, sorry. All Go right. On. Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast that will try to fix all the ills with the game, one codex at a time. I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. And this is episode 194, in which we're going to be continuing our Datasheet Doctor series uh, with a look at the Chaos Space Marine Codex and uh, a few choice units in there that could use a little, or in some cases, a lot of help. Uh, but first, uh, news and new releases and your listener mail. Um, I want to start off news and new releases with some Midwest Conquest news, because we actually have a, a a bunch of it. As of this recording on uh, April 28th, the GT, our, our competitive grand tournament, is full. All the spots have been filled. Anyone who signs up be- beyond this point will be on a waiting list. So if you were hoping to get into the GT... Uh, if we can find space for you, great. If not, um, we still have spots open in the friendly. So if, yes. you, if you are coming anyway and you just want to get in some games, uh, the friendly is still open. We have less than half the spots remaining. So that, I think, will also fill up sooner rather than later. So I would get signed up as soon as you can. Also, we have, I think we're at about... Half capacity on the Horse Heresy event. We've started getting some new, new signups on that as well. So um, the sooner you sign up, the better. Uh, also, I want to do a huge shout out to multiple sponsors for the event. So first off, KR Multicase is providing cases both for Pride Support and for our two raffle armies, our Black Legion Army and our Black Templars Army. Game Matt has provided mats for both for our tables and for prize support, uh, including we've got a couple of kill team mats. So if you want to play in kill team, you'll have a chance to win two of their double sided kill team mats. So that'll be cool. Uh, Hammerhead Games, uh, makers of fine acrylic gaming uh, accessories, have provided uh, a number of items for us. Uh, first off, every player at the event is going to get a six-inch movement template uh, from Hammerhead Games. And then for our friendly event and for our competitive event, we have three each of uh, some of their game trackers. Now, the friendly one just tracks command points and like what turn you're on. The competitive one tracks like top and bottom of turn, command points for both players, scores for both players, really slick stuff. So we're looking forward to giving some of those away. Hammerhead did a fantastic job, all branded with the uh, Midwest Conquest logo and everything. So a huge thanks to them. And then uh, Battle Cap Markers, I think we've mentioned this before, but they are doing our objective markers for both events. Uh, They look absolutely beautiful. Gold inlay, different colors for the different events, felt backing. I mean, these are going to be really nice markers. Everybody's going to get a set of them de- based on which event they're in. So 
uh, or at least for the GT and the friendly. So it, our sponsors are are really just doing a fantastic job. I also want to thank while uh, we're working on getting the sponsorship nailed down, I do want to thank uh, Secret Weapon Minis. Uh, they are, uh, they made the bases that we are putting our, the Black Templar army onto and rebasing all of that onto nice resin bases. Uh, and, uh, they look fan, they, they look fantastic. And I'm looking forward to seeing how the army finally goes together. So, uh, like I said, GT is full, friendly, and Horse Heresy are still open. And, uh, we'll have details on the Kill Team mission packets up, uh, this, probably before this episode hits. So um, uh, all that is coming. We're working on getting our, I think we're going to be finalizing the rest of our pride support soon. Uh, that'll be thanks to Peculiar Game and Hobby, another friend of the show and sponsor of our event. So who helped provide some of the uh, stuff for the Black Legion Army they're giving away. So everybody has been shipping and it's been absolutely fantastic. As far as not Midwest Conquest news, the Slanesh release has been has, is up for pre-order now, and Dennis is what like three hundred dollars in the hole now. <laughs> yeah, I, I pretty much picked up just about everything there, and I'm really excited about it. I don't think it's going to fix Slanesh's problems, but I'm really excited about having new toys. And so, the new models look fantastic. They really do. I mean, yeah. I was eh about getting a new mask because I was like, I like the old mask. The old mask still looks good, uh-huh. but the new mask just looks. Better. better yeah <laughs> so so yeah uh, well i think you said we're going to talk about that next time after it's released and, and we've we'll got all have, the data sheets yeah. in hand which apparently doing the the boxes not only include data sheets unlike most other boxes these actually do include points values because they are different from that, the existing codexes and that makes sense because i remember when i got the bone singers yeah since it's not in the codex or the index they put the points in that one too right so so, so hopefully if you buy these kits you should be able to use them right away which will be exciting. Which will be exciting. If anyone's going to play Slanesh at Midwest. No. Which, um, which, by the way, our cutoff for army changes and such is May 10th. That's two weeks before the event. Uh, we are still awaiting the big FAQ. It, uh, despite our predictions last episode of it dropping <laughs> after the episode was recorded, but before it was released, uh, it's still waiting. No, we, the prediction is still valid. It's just yeah. we've moved it forward an episode. <laughs> right. Because I think Games Workshop was hinting at the it would be drop in April. We got two days and left. April ends on Tuesday. Yeah. And we're recording on Sunday. And it probably will get out later in the week. So yeah. So big FAQ is coming. Yeah. I, I'm hearing lots and lots of changes. So we'll probably talk about that a lot. Yeah. Too. The next episode will probably just be a a look at the big FAQ and all and the rant. And, and, and Slanesh <laughs> and Inari. That's the other oh, yeah. thing that's yeah, coming yeah. next week is uh, the May White Dwarf hits next week. And it has been confirmed. First of all, we mentioned this last episode that uh, the index Inari was coming. But apparently somebody already got their hands on a copy and a grainy photo, because it's always a potato quality camera, picture of the like the first two pages of their index has been released and uh wow um inari is getting hit hard with a needed nerf bat but it is still a major nerf bat to the inari um soul burst is apparently soul burst actions are gone yeah soul burst makes you slanesh basically you fight first um if you already had a fight first ability you fight at like you fight first yeah plus one to hit (laughs) Only in melee. So the days of soul bursting your dark reapers 
like in and out, like basically doing a fire and fade with them without firing and fading. Uh, that's gone. Days of like free free charge moves, and also apparently you lose your craft world or cabal or witch cult or mask trait, depending on which sub, which codex your unit comes from. So no more of the days of the mixed Inari faction that has has ally talk dark reapers and same hand yeah shining spears and yeah that is apparently gone as well so so yeah we'll have a lot to talk about next time yeah next episode is going to be like the 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 spring changes to 40k and how much it how much the game is being altered so So we're going to spring forward just a month late month late yep (laughs) well a month and a half it'll be may so it'll be two months late but yeah uh, and that's pretty much it, uh, other than the Sinesh stuff, which is also a combined Age of Sigmar release. And the main thing there is they've got a new Slanesh book coming out for Age of Sigmar, which, Dennis, hey, if you ever want to play, you have an Age of Sigmar army now. Yeah. We've been saying this yes. for... We, and all that spare time we have to, <laughs> yeah. to play in. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So that that's pretty much it for new... Re- oh, there was one that I saw, and this actually goes back. There was a listener who wrote into us like a few months ago asking like, hey, you can't buy Chaos Warhounds from Forge World anymore. Is it okay if I 3D print like conversion pieces for a regular Warhound? And we're like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if they don't sell the model and you're not selling the parts, no harm, no foul. Guess what? Forge World has re-released the Chaos Warhound finally. <laughs> so they, they remastered the molds or, or repaired the molds. And uh, now we have... Now, now you can actually buy a Chaos Warhound Titan. Um, but uh, it's also still okay to 3D print your own. I, well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you would say that, Mr. 3D printer guy, dude. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm sorry. I had a little static on my line. Uh, <laughs> conversion, printing your own conversion parts is still fine. Just don't yeah. sell your conversion parts yes. if they are replicas of GW ones. That's That would be bad. That's dirty. I don't cool. sell them. Yes. <laughs> All right. So with that, we're going to... Jump right over into listener mail. As always, these letters are written by you, the listeners, and we'll tell you how to get your mail to us at the end of the segment. First one is from Curtis Turner. Uh, Curtis writes, Hello, peppered friendlies, which that's a new one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I like that one. Hello, peppered friendlies. Just a quick email to address some absolute madness I encountered in your last podcast. A passing joke about making a warpsmith worthwhile. (laughs) While perhaps not an overly competitive selection in the Tome of Chaos, I think anyone skipping out on these is missing some very lovely gaming moments. The humble warpsmith received a points drop to a scant 35 points. This is a fellow with 2 plus armor, admittedly no invulnerable save, a ballistic seal of 2 up, and more weapons than most squads. My preferred warpsmith carries a combi flamer with his normal arsenal of weapons. Now embrace the joy when an opponent charges you and you inform him your warpsmith is firing a melta gun, two flamers, and double tapping a bolt gun, and then swinging back with five axes, including mecha tendrils and a power axe. Five attacks, often generating a few death to the false emperor's bonus ones as well. As a renegade player, the warpsmith can advance and fire his melta gun at minus one and both flamers and then still charge, swinging that big sexy axe. He also enjoys cursing enemy vehicles with mortal wounds when he's not fixing things. Because he's armed with a bolt weapon, and when with a BS of two up, he makes a great use of the demon shell stratagem also just telling your opponent this guy has a melt a gun flamer combi flamer mecha tendrils power axe and frag and crack grenades is always amusing in short while not tournament winning the humble warpsmith can be an absolute blast and sneakily good curtis oscar turner yeah i agree he's and and it's kind of an it's a neat model it is it is a cool model 
And yeah. I think, you know, it's, I think it was a matter of kind of giving the unit a little bit of a ribbing because it's one you just don't see on the table because it isn't, well, right. for one thing, there's not that many. I, before Vigilus Ablaze, there weren't that many competitive Chaos Space Marine armies. Yeah. And most of them were not running Warpsmiths. Right. But no, I mean, them and, and Tech Marines as well have a ridiculous amount of toys they can bring to the table. So, I mean, they're, they're both great units in their own ways. It's just, yeah. That I yeah I I, th- I think it's it's unfair to discount them and the fact that they're way cheaper now yeah also you know or at least they I don't know way cheaper but they are cheaper now than they were before so it's a it is a quick add on into an army and also if you're playing like Iron Warriors you pretty much should be taking yeah taking one anyway mm-hmm. and they with the other like with the really big push now on like demon engines and other mm-hmm. like vi- demon possessed vehicles. It is both thematic and mechanically appropriate to to have one in your army. Yeah, I remember playing a game. It, it wasn't a warpsmith; it was a tech priest. Uh huh. A land raider just would not die that game because the tech priest was just up there repairing all the damage I'd do to it. And I was like, "Yay!" And and like you said, mm-hmm. I'd try to get to the tech priest, and he had all those toys to play with to keep me at bay. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the biggest issue is that you just didn't see the things that it synergized with. Right. And I think with the Lord Discordant now, I think you're going to see a lot more of those vehicles, uh, which means you're going to see a lot more of those those Warpsmiths. So that's good. Yeah. That's a way to fix a unit by fixing some other units. <laughs> and unlike the, uh, the Lord Discordant, he doesn't have to kill things to fix vehicles. True. Yeah. So... Because the Lord Discordant... The, my, my issue with the Lord Discordant, it's if your opponent takes vehicles, great, but there's a lot of armies that don't. And so then, like, half his abilities don't kick in. But the Warpsmith is always good. Well, the thing I like about the Lord Discordant is that, in general, like, those auras and stuff that he gives to other demon engines, like, those work regardless. So you're going to take, as we get, we'll get to it later, you might take Defilers or Mauler Fiends or things like that, which are then also going to synergize with having a Warpsmith on the table. So, you know, uh, you weren't seeing any of those Chaos vehicles before, which is why you never saw the Warpsmith, or very rarely saw the Warpsmith. So... Now that you're going to have more vehicle-heavy lists, I think you're definitely going to see them back on the table more, which is good. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, next letter is from Tom Hughes, and Tom writes, Hi, Rob, just looking for guidance on a hobby progress roadblock. So I'm about to look around for bases to rebase a load of Orc Boys from the standard 25 mil GW black disc. For future-proofing, it seems to be upgrading them all onto 32 mils rather than 25 mils. This is because of GW reboxing the kits with 32 millimeters. Is that basically the writing on the wall? And what about knobs, 32 millimeter or 40 millimeter? Thanks, Tom from London, UK. Um, so the the knobs issue, that one's pretty easy. The current knobs kit is still 32 mil bases. Yeah. So knobs are just slightly bigger, but not so much bigger that they end up on 40s. Right. As far as future proofing, I mean, yes, you totally can rebase onto 32s. And I've done that with a lot of my, like, my Chaos Space Marines, I've rebased onto 32s. And they do mm-hmm. look better on the 32s. It helps differentiate them from cultists, for one thing. Yeah. And that's also, like, why I'm rebasing the Black Templar army we're giving away. Because when I built that the first time, everybody was on 25 mils because that's what they came with. I, I, I think the main thing is is just to, to keep it consistent mm-hmm. uh, across yep. the army. Yes. Because I, my Grey Knights, I have not rebased them. But going forward, any, like, characters that I have that are in power armor, I've been putting on 32 millimeter bases. Mm -hmm. And that just kind of helps them stand out from, like, units of guys. Yes. 
And that's actually seems to be a, a consistent trend they're doing too, where characters end up being like one base size larger. Because mm-hmm. if you look at like um, Primaris Marines, like Primaris Marines are all on 32 mil bases, except for their characters, they're all on 40s. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in this case, knobs stay on 30. Knobs are on the same kinds of bases that orc boys are on. Mm-hmm. Also, because knobs tend to be mixed in with those units. So that way the unit feels consistent throughout as well. Yeah, there's there's actually this nice uh, blog that I found uh, as a resource that's the, the Tharsis project. Mm-hmm. And they have gone through uh, on 40K and just kind of listed out what every kit comes with. Nice. Um, and I can, I can provide, we can provide a link to that. Okay. Yeah. We'll notes. definitely put that in the show Thanks. notes. Yeah. Cause I think I, and that's a good resource to have. Like if you get a model second hand that doesn't have a base, right. That's, or you're wanting to kit bash something uh-huh. like just so that you know what size base it goes on. Right. Yeah. Right. Cause like I have a pair of, uh, Mahler fiends that I'm going to be like after Midwest is over and I can focus on my own stuff that I want to rebase. Or, you know, I, I I took them off the existing bases and I need to kind of strip and repair them. But the bases, I, to take them off the bases, I had to destroy the bases. And so now it's like figuring out what size bases do I need to order to replace them. So, yeah. I've, so, yeah, having that kind of resource is fantastic for yeah. that. So, yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. And, yeah, hopefully, yeah, 32 mils all around, Tom, for your for your boys and your knobs. Yep. Should be good. All right, next up is from Jeremy Hagen. Rob, Kevin, Richard, and Dennis. Hello, preferred frenemies. Loved the discussion of the datasheet doctors in your last episode. I am worried, particularly in terms of the Humble Tactical Squad, that your hopes regarding the improvement of the classic Space Marine models are going to be dashed. Since the announcement of Primaris, I've been waiting for the eventual squatting of classic Marines. I don't want to get into a discussion of how a Primaris Marine should be different than a normal Space Marine, but I do want to think about this as a game designer might. Premise number one, overall less complicated tabletop war games have sold better than more gritty and crunchy ones. Simpler games are more accessible. You can call this the X-Wing effect and bring in hobby board gamers. Even Flames of War has undergone a substantial simplification in the latest version of their rules, much like Warhammer 40k did when going from 7th to 8th. Premise number two, Space Marines of every flavor are the starter army of choice. While I don't know if it's still true, old sales data indicated that Space Marines outsold the entire rest of the 40k line. Space Marines have still been in every flavor of starter box, though not necessarily the campaign boxes like Forgebane. Premise number three, here's the thrust of my argument. The Space Marine Tactical Squad has too many options for very new players to wrap their head around without a lot of guidance. The learning curve is just too high. It is arguably the most common kit with the most number of options available. How is a new player supposed to know what special and heavy weapon to pair? Don't get me started on how to equip the sergeant. This was solved when the push-fit marines of yesteryear. You only had the missile launcher and flamer, so that's what you played with. GW has simplified things a step further with the Primaris intercessors. The squad has all the same weapon except for the sergeant, and there's three choices total. Even the sergeant is much simplified over his tax squad brother, and that he can replace his rifle, whichever rifle his squad has, with one of one of three melee weapons. They use the same formula for the rest of the Primaris infantry. Conclusion. I think that GW is simplifying the Space Marine infantry line to better appeal to starter players. The Tax Squad box, which was redone five years ago, is going the way of the Dodo, and you'll still need your Index Imperium number one to play classic Space Marines in the future. Of course, I'm interested in what you think. Are Space Marines going extinct? Is Games Workshop trying to reduce the learning curve of 40k? Will Calgar ever finish a battle without needing to get a totally new body? Thanks, Jeremy from South Dakota. On the last one, no. (laughs) So, I mean, very quickly, no, yes, no. All right, move on. No. 
No, uh, I, I don't think that old space Marines are going to go extinct. I think that old space Marines might eventually get phased out into veterans and they will have a reduced spe- slash specialized role in the game. But I, I, I definitely agree with them saying, you know, trying to reduce the learning curve and reduce the options for starter armies. That's absolutely correct with what they're doing with the primaris. And it and it's a good move. Uh, but I don't think they'll ever be able to get away with saying, hey, all of those old uh, Space Marine models that you have, they're just no longer valid. That, no, I don't no, think that, they'll ever be able to that. That would kill the fan base real yeah. hard. I mean, and I'll, I'll agree with you guys on, on that part, but I'll, I'm also, I'm kind of afraid that they feel, I don't want to say pointless, but you don't see them as much because scouts are cheaper. Mm-hmm. Yes. Primaris are I, I see a lot more primary. So though I see primaries and I see scouts. I don't see the normal tech squad. Right. And that's kind of what we, you know, what, when we got into last episodes, like the problem with scouts right now is because they are cheaper and they're just as good at fighting mm-hmm. we, and they need to, they, there's not enough to differentiate them. But also like, if you're looking at this from the standpoint of a new player, yeah, there's a, there's almost way too many options for tactical squads to figure out like what should I do? It's one of those things like the veteran players know what you should do, but the for the new players, Primaris is actually a better choice for new players. And then mm-hmm. um although then you look at the armies that are included with like alongside for the Space Marines to fight against, Death Guard, like Plague Marines have, you know, other than the push fit ones that come in like No No Fear and Dark Dark Imperium and such. Plague Marines have easily just as many options and it can get very ridiculous very fast. Yeah, but then again, I mean, you're looking at the fact that when you're a new player, what are you going to be doing? You're probably going to be buying those starter boxes. True. Those true. starter yeah. boxes, they don't have the extra options in them. You right. put them together and the way they are and that's what they have. Yeah, so true. It's actually very simple. It is true. So. It is very simple. And it's um, it's when you kind of expand beyond that. But like right now, if you were going in as like if you decide to start with like a start collecting Space Marines box. Yeah. Then you just mm-hmm. get like, here's your tactical squad. Have fun. No. And I and I agree with that. I And I think that what like I said, I think that was kind of the thrust of what our last episode was about was trying to make tax squads more tactical and less like just, you know, beginner. Right. Um, and I, I would like to see, and I think they will now that they've released a couple of box sets with Primaris stuff. I would like to think at some point they're going to release a Primaris, uh, starter set, you know, get started, start collecting box. Uh-huh. Um, that's just going to be, you know, a unit of intercessors, a unit of hell blasters and, you know, the captain in whatever armor. And, that you know, and then that'll kind of be the default starter box. And you might see, you might see the Space Marine starter box go away. You might see them de-emphasizing it, but I don't think they're ever going to just completely get away from them. No, no. But I, I do. I could see them as being kind of the the advanced troop choice mm-hmm. for the arm. You know, the the tactical squad is the advanced troop choice. But to make that work, I think that's still it's like. The unit's not going to go away because, again, GW knows what would happen to the fan base if they did. Um, and they probably don't sell nearly as many of the tactical squads anymore. They are probably mostly selling Primaris and Scouts. But they still need to make that a viable choice for the players that have tactical Marines, which is everybody that yeah. started before 8th edition. So, uh, so yeah, they, it, it's making those units 
they don't necessarily have to be better, but they have to be have a more tightly defined role. They have to have a, a yeah a more tightly defined role, and they have to be good at that role. And that role has to be useful enough that it's a real choice between do I take Primaris, do I take Tac Marines, do I take Scouts? Mm-hmm. And I, and that's just not where they're out yet. But I I don't yeah I don't think they're going extinct. Yeah, to answer this question, I don't think they're going extinct. I do think they're I'm agreeing with you. I do think they're trying to reduce the intro learning curve. And no, Calgar is never going to finish a battle without getting a new body because he's going to get messed up every <laughs> single time, but not die. Well, that's that's the thing is you're going to see every single battle is Calgar di- almost almost dies and Abaddon can't get what he wants so that we just keep doing this over and over and over again. Right. <laughs> I still like other rumors I've heard, but we'll see if they come into play. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up is from Paul Small. Paul writes, just a few thoughts on how to blanket fix some of the core mechanics in 40k. First off, I do like the armor-piercing mechanic GW introduced in 8th edition. In previous editions, certain AP-valued weapons became pointless because they couldn't affect Space Marines and their equivalent units. Remember the old MEQ label on a lot of stuff? So I like where GW was going with this idea, but they gave out minus one or greater armor modifiers to too much stuff. It should have been on a lot less weapons, and I think that some guns should have positive modifiers, like cultists giving a plus one to saves from their weapons because they're supposed to be improvised weaponry, and other units have haphazardly produced weaponry. Orcs and Gene Sealer cults come to mind. This would have given GW more of a buffer with weapons and character to units that would make some armies feel different if, say, Necron Goss weapons were all minus one modifier or greater. Right now, units like Space Marines suffer because they are rarely actually they rarely actually get to utilize that awesome armor save they're paying points for, and this easily makes cheap units like Cultists, Guardsmen, and Gretchen better choices because they already have next to no armor and the modifiers don't really affect them. However, imagine weak troops shooting at power armor and granting them a 2-plus save, or Terminators they would be unable to hurt. Kind of puts an element of the bell curve back into the game where some weapons would be unable to hurt some units while still maintaining the always-able-to-wound on a 6. Suddenly, power armor and terminators look much more appealing, but cultists on guardsmen fights still work well. Sadly, my above fix would need a ground-up rewriting of the rules. In my opinion, GW should have stuck with the index format updated annually for data data slates and left the codexes either out entirely this edition or utilized them for faction-specific chapter tactics rules, stratagems, formations, etc., Lastly, GW should have a mechanic to break away from combat. Just falling back is too easy to game, and dedicated combat units suffer too much from how easy it is to disengage. This is at least something that they could fix with a beta rule and or ninth edition. Thanks for the great podcast, Paul Small. Um, I definitely agree on that last point. Yeah. And we've had this discussion that either falling back Mm -hmm. should have a risk to it other than, oh, you can't shoot, but there's enough units that can avoid that or ignore that penalty that it's still not that huge a penalty. Mm -hmm. And... There should be units that, like witches, where it's like, because right now they can keep you from falling back, but there should be something like if you... But only certain units. But only certain units. Like only infantry can, yeah, they can kind of mm-hmm. keep you from falling back. But if there was a a risk reward, and I think we've mentioned this before, like some sort yeah. of like you take mortal wounds or somebody gets free attacks on you as you fall back. Yeah. That would, that would be a way to address it. As far as the idea of positive AP modifiers. I like that idea, actually. I say I also find it interesting, and the the case of improvised weapons I think is a perfect thing because mm-hmm. it, it it might be their ballistic skill should be higher, and that's because they're not good. But I mean, the weapon itself is not as good of a weapon. I mean, yeah. So maybe they're just firing spitballs at you as opposed to a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that. Well, one of the big problems in this game is we're, we're it's a D six game, so there's only six options. You know, or seven, I guess, with zero. But like. 
you only have so many options what you can do for modifiers. So if you add positive modifiers, you're expanding out the the options and you can differentiate weapons better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically what I was going to <laughs> You stole his that's, thunder, dude. Sorry. Yeah. Move. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> but no, that would because that like that's one of the things right now. It's like Necrons. Well, what what is the special thing? Because like Goss used to be this always like this always wounds on a six. It always does like glancing hits on a six to a or like, yeah, it's like mm-hmm. it always wounds vehicles on a six. And now it's just like, what is it? Oh, it's a bolter that's minus one AP. Yay. Yeah. You mean the same thing that every Primaris Marine has? Yay. <laughs> yeah, Necrons I mean, it's shorter used, range. Necrons used to be really scary, but like you said, I guess when everyone wounds on sixes, Necrons aren't scary anymore. Yeah, when everyone wounds on sixes and and it's very easy to get the same weapon that it got, you know, cuz like Goss weapons were actually really good. And, yes, yeah. And 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 it, w- it was actually a choice like do I take Goss or do I take Tesla because do I want the more hits but no AP or do I want the more do one with the shots that can that will always hurt something it's like now it's like uh, tesla's almost always better um and yeah i kind of like it and it would give one of the things that the game has kind of lost was that feeling uh and something that happens in the books all the time is the terminator or the space marine like wading into small arms fire and they just plink off his armor because they they can't hurt him yeah uh, and but volume of fire would still eventually catch somebody. I if anything that would actually make terminators. It would kind of flatten the curve, and make terminators less good because they already have a two up save, and they're never going to say this guy's got a one up save now and can't be hurt. I don't think they would ever do that. But it would make power armor like I mean more I, effective. Actually, I think it's kind of interesting on because in Age of Sigmar. Uh, at least at at one point, I'm not sure if the current version is still the same, but they did have one-up saves. But uh, ones yep. still failed. It's just if you had modifiers, it modified a yeah. one instead of That's, modifying a two. Gotcha. So, yep. yeah, because I think because yeah, in fantasy, yeah, you know, like an old fantasy. Because it was also like based off the strength of the weapon and stuff like that. There were like a lot of modifiers that could yeah. get you to your final. And now they just have they have a rend value, which is basically the same as eighth edition AP. Yeah. So, or I remember like back in second edition, Terminators had a two up armor save, but it was on two d six. Yep, I was thinking that as we were talking. <laughs> Where it's yeah. like mm-hmm. you get hit with a las cannon, it's like, well, yeah, but I'm still ro- so it's like AP minus six or something. But, but I believe they didn't have the invuln save. They had, the yeah, they didn't have invuln. They just nobody they just, had invuln right. saves. Yeah, and that's but man, the Terminators were scary back then because it's really hard to roll snake eyes. Yeah, I mean it's do it's one out of thirty six. So, yeah. but then again, like you said, with the armor. Like even the last can I think was minus five or six that would take them up to average failing, yeah, as opposed to just being toast, right? Whereas now it, well, now it makes them what last can is what AP minus four usually, so it makes yeah. them a, gives them a, a five up goes five there up in invul- five up invul- which is thirty three percent savings, yeah. So, no, I I like the idea. It it would it would have to be used judiciously, and I think you, but it would give you more of a curve. I don't think I I can't think of very many weapons that I would take to uh like or like a plus two or anything. I think I, plus one would be about the maximum I'd apply. And right. then you still far, fail armor saves on a one, no yeah. matter on a natural one, no matter what. So um so yeah, it's like you could 
you would still be able to bring down Marines or and Terminators with volume of fire, but it would be harder. And then, yeah, that gives you a wider... I don't know if I would give Orc Shooters a plus one, because they're still firing big bullets. They just fire right. a lot I, of them I very would, badly. I, I would I would think, <laughs> like like their pistols and then like the Grot guns, uh-huh. I would probably change... I would probably change like Grot Shooters to something more like what a cultist has rather than... Because like, as it is, I think they're like strength two yeah. or something. <laughs> I would change them probably to like, like strength, strength three, but like... Plus one AP. Plus one AP. Mm-hmm. And then maybe like the pistols that the boys carry yeah, could you know, be plus one. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, like cultists or anybody that's using like auto guns, like cult, whether it's... Chaos cultists, gene stealer neophyte, or gene stealer cult neophytes. Yeah, have auto guns be like plus one. They're good against people that don't have armor, but that way, even like guard flak armor is still protecting you half the time. Yeah. And then, you know, it get. So, like I said, you know, gene, like cultist on guardsmen battles would still have some equality, but then it, it also means like, I would even take that all the way up to like heavy stubbers. Because then that, because right now a heavy stubber is just a really is is a bolt gun with more shots, mm-hmm. and it, and it shouldn't be. It should it shouldn't be as good as a bolt gun. It should basically. Yeah. So, yeah, I no, I Paul, I, I like this idea of a of a plus one save, and I do think yeah they they they've given out the minus one to too many weapons to the point where it doesn't it almost it almost feels standard more than an AP zero. It, it does definitely feel standard. Yeah. And then a letter from Keith Hickey. Keith writes. Hi, fellas. I really enjoyed the Data data Slate Doctor segment. I can't wait for more. Well, you're in luck, because we'll have some just shortly. Uh, While you were discussing tactical squads, I remembered from somewhere that in older versions of the Space Marine Codex, tact squads have been able to take a special weapon and a heavy weapon in five-man teams. There's also something like that like this that's already in the current Space Marine Codex, Crusader squads, which is true. Crusader squads can take a special and a heavy and a five-man squad. Now, I know Crusader squads aren't tournament winning great or anything. However, I doubt many Black Templar players would consider taking attack squad over a Crusader squad. Being able to take minimum five-man squads with both a heavy and special weapon should improve attack squads, in my opinion. Being able to take a plasma cannon, plasma gun, and combi plasma in a five-man squad is just over 100 points and fills a niche that intercessors and scouts don't. Going anti-tank and taking a multi-melta, melta gun, and combi melta is a little pricey at 116, but gives you a pretty solid tank buster unit. Taking two in a rhino would make your opponent sweat. Lastly, and I wish the heavy flamer was an option, but I'm trying to change as little as possible, a heavy bolter, flamer, and combi flamer is a cool 89 points. That's a pretty flexible squad for just four points more than intercessors. Well, that's it. Just a small change, and I think you'd actually start seeing tax squads again. Nothing earth-shattering, but it makes them a lot more appealing. With all this talk about making tax squads more like Crusader squads, I'd like to share this list I've been working on. So it's a Black Templars list. He's got a battalion detachment with Terminator Chaplain with Stormbolter, Emperor's Champion, a 10-man Crusader squad with Power Sword, Melt Gun, and a Sword Brother with Power Sword, four neophytes with close combat weapon. So I'm I'm not sure if that's 10 initiates and four neophytes or six initiates and four neophytes. It says it's a 10-man squad, so I'm going to guess six and four. A six-man crusade, then a ten-man crusader squad with power axe, melt gun, and sword brother with a power fist, and then four neophytes with sh- with shotguns. Actually, I think it's fourteen. Is that a fourteen? Because yeah. the last one is a six-man crusader squad with six neophytes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So so fourteen, the, fourteen, and then just as a consistency base, I think that's yeah. 
Okay. Six-man Crusader squad. Okay, no, I see what he's doing when I get to the description. Six-man Crusader squad with power sword, Meltagun, and sword brother with power sword, and six neophytes with close combat weapons. And then a spearhead detachment uh, with a lieutenant with a pair of lightning claws, a Terminator assault squad with four thunder hammers and storm shields, three lightning claws, and a teleport homer. And then two Land Raider Crusaders with multi-meltas and a Land Raider Redeemer with multi-melta. Oh, wow. It's almost like a squad of Land Raiders. It is, yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. The list comes out to 1992 points as it is now. As you can see, I'm using a lot of subpar units, but this is more of a narrative list. I'd like it to be at least semi-competitive, but still a fun army. I call it the Black Templar's Mailed Fist. The 12-man Crusader squad rides in the Redeemer, and the Emperor's Champion rides in one Land Raider Crusader, the Lieutenant in the other, and then the two Crusader squads would go in each one. I figure I'll get one solid shooting phase before I lose a Land Raider. After that, the Terminators and Chaplain teleport in and hopefully hit the enemy lines with three Crusader squads. Basically, one balled-up right hand that'll either knock out my opponent or whiff horribly. I wanted the list to feel like a heavy cavalry charge like the Medieval Knights that the Black Templars are inspired by. Let me know what you think. Thanks, Keith. Um, as a Templar, as a former Templars player, I love it. <laughs> as playing against your Templars, the first thing I thought is I don't hear Marshall, the High Marshal. Uh, hi, yeah, there's no High Marshal Helbrecht in okay. here. There's no Grimaldus. Because um, those are staples. In, in at least what I was running. Um, I could see, depending on points, let's see, a, temp, a Lieutenant with Lightning Claws. So a Lieutenant is 60 and... Pair lightning claws is twelve, so that makes him seventy-two. Grimaldus is one hundred and twenty, so he oh, doesn't. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't have the points for that. True. Otherwise, yeah, Grimaldus would be fantastic. But no, I mean, I I do really like it. Yeah, it's it's you know three land raider crusaders. The problem is like your anti. It would have to be a narrative list because like if you hit knights, you're gonna have you're gonna have a bad time three multi melters mm. is not gonna be enough mm. and yeah you've got multi you've got melty guns in those crusader squads that's but thunder hammers too right uh, you've got the yeah you do have the thunder hammers but uh i mean that's still let's see thunder hammers still only get you up to like what strength eight eight yeah yeah so well, like yeah like if you're going up against a castellan for example like just a single castellan He's going to be able to take out two of your land raiders in one sh- round of shooting. Yeah. So it's like it's not going to be super hard for a dedicated like knight list to to chew through this pretty easily. Right. Um. And you know it's like in an objective based game, you really you don't really have enough units to like. I mean, the land raiders w- could sit on objectives and basically keep anybody out of three inches of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. I almost wonder is maybe a way to get points back and maybe to, to change it up a little bit. Um, if you were to swap out a Land Raider Crusader for just a standard God Hammer with last cannons mm-hmm. and then cut one of those Crusader squads and just like cut the Neophytes completely out of it and just make it a 10-man Crusader squad. Uh-huh. I don't know how many how many points that frees up. Like maybe that's enough to get to Grimaldus. Maybe not. Well, but let's see. Neophytes are like dirt cheap. Yeah. Because let's see, troops, Crusader squad. Well, neophytes are eleven points. So okay. So that would that would free up forty four points if you dropped them. What's the price difference between a Crusader and a uh, just a regular Land Raider? Okay, that's one that dropped in chapter approved. Because I know they, I know those change in chapter four. So let me bring okay. that. Well, 
I have that one right next to me. So oh well, there you go. <laughs> well, so do I. I have that one. I didn't bring the. I didn't bring my Marine Codex, but yeah, <laughs> I do have that. So land. Okay, so it's the same points. So it's two hundred. Well, and then with- and then it's probably going to be a little bit more because of that because you had to pay for the. So let's see, Space Marines unit. So the Land Raider uh, Redeemer is one eighty. Yeah. So the Land Raider and Land Raider Crusader are. Let's see. The difference is going to be two Hurricane Bolters is twenty points, whereas two Twin Link Last Cannons is eighty points. Yeah. So there's going to be more points. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. There's a huge difference there. Well, because what I was because what I was trying to think was if you can cut one of the one of them down, add in a land raider that gives you the last cannon options. Then all of a sudden you have, you still have the three land raiders that you can push forward, but you do have like last cannons that can help take out bigger targets. You still have the crusader with the flamers that can take out hordes. And then you are know, the, is it the redeemer or the crusader that has the flamers? It's the redeemer that has the flamers. Okay. crusader has the dual hurricane. Bolters. That's right. So it's like, you still have some you know, ability to take out hordes, but you're sacrificing a little bit of transport capacity for, you know, last cannon shots. Um, and that might help with increase your shooting a little bit, but yeah, I don't know if it's going to be worth the points because of how more expensive that land raider is. Yeah. Yeah. Dual last cannons are stupid expensive. So yeah, you're really depending on getting close to the multi meltas, which I mean, you get in close to the multi meltas and they're better than last, last cannons. Yeah, anyways. Yeah. And you know, getting close, isn't going to be a problem and, Unless you can't get there. Right. Um, but uh, but like the whole point is you're trying to get close so that. Yeah, I don't I don't really have like any problems with this. Like it's it's very similar to like some of the lists that I've ran with my you know world eaters where it's like, well, yeah, if you're going to do dedicated assault, this is kind of the only way to do it. You're going to run into mashups where you just get wiped off the table, but it's going to be fun. Yeah, no, and it, it will be. And it's like. Like your first turn, you're going to be advancing the like you're not going to really be shooting much of anything because you're just going to be advancing. Mm-hmm. You know, because I mean, the land raiders are going to move up twelve. They're going. I mean, if you don't advance them, and which would give you a chance to fire the multi meltas and everything, but then all the weapons on there max out at twenty four inches, thirty six if you've got heavy bolters on the front instead of assault cannons. Okay, no, the okay, so the crusaders come with assault cannons, so they're. Assault cannons are also 24 inches. And then the Redeemers... Okay, so they all have assault cannons. So yeah, basically, this army has a 24-inch shooting range. Everything in this army maxes out at 24 inches. So you've got... So first turn, you might as well be advancing up because you've got nothing else. Right. And then second turn, everybody gets out. The Terminators drop in. And you hope you're within charge range of stuff. Which, let's see, first, let's say, so average advance roll is going to be, let's say, three. So they're going to move 15 inches the first. So if you put them like you put them right on the front of your deployment zone, 15 inches first turn, second turn, you've got nine inches of deployment range outside, you know, like disembarking out the front. And then... So that's you've moved up twenty four inches. You should be somewhere within a charge range at that point, hopefully. And at that point, yeah, then all your guns open up and you can hopefully get some work done. But yeah, totally a narrative only list. I would not take this competitively, but it would be fun to play. I was going through and just battle scribing out the land raiders and 
It's only going to be actually about 30 points more. Okay, when you for a, for a Yeah, because it's 297 for a Land Raider with the Heavy Bolter and the Twin Last Cannons, whereas a Crusader with the Twin Assault Cannon, the Heavy Bolters, and the Hurricane Bolter is 264. With the Heavy Bolters and the Hurricane Bolters? Uh, the the assault cannon and the heavy bolt and the okay. hurricane bolts. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Um. So it's so it is only about thirty points. So you more. could theoretically drop the. You could theoretically cut like the neophytes with shotguns out. Uh-huh. Put that ten man crusader squad in a leg regular land raider. Uh huh. And be about the same points. Uh. You know, I didn't go through and kit everything out, but well, actually, you'd have to cut that squad. You're going to save about forty points of the neophytes. Let's see. You'd have to cut you'd that to squad cut down to nine, nine to right. fit somebody else in it, or you could just throw the uh, – I mean, at that point, you could keep the Terminator chaplain with the Terminators. You could put the lieutenant and the other Land Raider. So it's like you've got options. Well, the Emperor, then you've got the Emperor's champ- champion out oh, there, standing in the breeze. There's, oh, okay. I skipped over that. Sorry. Yeah. I didn't see the Emperor's champion there. Okay. Fair enough. He's kind of important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's you've got – well, you've got three characters. Um well, four characters. Where's the fourth? Terminator Chaplain, Emperor's Champion, uh, Lieutenant with Pair of Lightning Claws. No, I guess there is only one in the yeah. spearhead. Okay. So, so there's only three. So, yeah. So you could put the Terminator Chaplain with Terminators. Well, the, which put, is where he is already. Yeah. Yeah. Put the put the Lieutenant with the Lightning Claws in the bigger squad. Put the Emperor's Champion in the... Can't put uh, him with the 12-man squad. The Redeemer's yeah, only got a capacity of 12. Okay. So you may have to... You'd yeah. have to cut something. So you may something. have to drop somebody out, but either either a crusader or something. But yeah, so okay, so you could have to figure out one other guy to you know cut out, cut one of the neophytes out, and do it that way. Or actually, you could cut the if you cut one of the neophytes out of the twelve man squad. S- what's the transport capacity on a crusader? Is it sixteen or four? It, it is fifteen. It's fifteen. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking whatever it was sixteen. Okay, I think yeah, you'd have to cut, you'd have to cut one guy. Or out no, somewhere. it is sixteen. Sorry, it is sixteen. Yeah. Okay, so, you could yeah. you could put both of them in the Crusader squad. The Crusader. Yeah. Okay. No, that would actually yeah, then that would work fine. You wouldn't have to drop the fourth guy. Or the, and that would give guy. you. I mean, it'd keep the same thing. It'd keep the list basically the same, but it'd give you a little more range shooting. Mm-hmm. And I think that. I think that would be helpful in this list, but that's like a minor tweak. Like that's not, that's, it's still functionally the same list. It's still functionally the same, you know, benefits and drawbacks. And you're still going to, you're still going to struggle against Knights, but like in that case, you might have the ability to get a couple shots in first. True. True. So yeah, that would, that would probably work. Yeah. That would, I mean, again, it wouldn't be highly competitive, but it would be fun to play. Yes. Yep. And if you have a list you'd like us to review or a letter you'd like us to read on the air, question, concern, commentary on a past episode, uh, there's three good ways to get that to us. Uh, first off is our emails. Our emails are our first name at preferredenemies.com. So Rob at Kevin at Dennis at Richard at preferredenemies.com. Uh, also, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash preferredenemies. Uh, you can like us there, follow us. Uh, we post news, things we're working on, updates for like Midwest Conquest, things like that. And then you can message us there. Third is we have a Twitter account at, uh, at preferredenemy, singular. And we collect all our questions together, collate them, and then kind of throw them into the hopper. And we try to read as many of them as we can on the air without going over. So we may not get to your question each episode, but we'll do our best to, to work through them in a timely fashion. 
Also, we have a Patreon. If you uh, want to help support the show, help us keep our equipment updated, uh, get us to events, help us uh, do things for like Midwest Conquest, we're uh, just stuff like that. If you want to help support the show and what we do, it basically it's patreon.com slash preferred enemies. Uh, it's an online tip jar. We don't lock any of our content behind a uh, paywall or anything like that, but we do work on getting swag together occasionally for our list for our Patreon listeners. And so, uh, we, you know, just to show how much we appreciate what they do. Uh, so, uh, if you want to help support the show, maybe it's just a buck a month. Enough people throw in a buck it adds up. Uh, so I'm going to go. So we're going to go ahead and take a break for sponsor identification. And when we come back, it'll be part two of our Datasheet Doctor series, this time looking at Chaos Space Marines. See you in a bit. Miniatures. We build them, we paint them, we love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Care Multicase comes in. They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors, that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the Battle Mats from Game Mat. They're professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a Game Mat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, and when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding Gboard portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. And we're back. So it's time to get to our second part, which is our second episode of Datasheet Doctors, this time focusing on Codex Heretic Astartes Chaos Space Marines. Two. Two. Electric Boogaloo. Because uh, we are we are going to be referring to the, the updated version because it would be silly to not uh, refer to the updated version. Uh, so again, if you missed last episode or you just need a refresher, the concept here is that we're going to take a look at some of the data sheets, some of the units that you just don't see on the tabletop very much. And we're going to kind of take a look at why you don't see them and what would it take to make them a more viable choice. And uh, we got the units to look at by asking the question to our listeners. So this is all based off of listener feedback. But the answers that we give are all our own. So, Because like, I think 
Next episode might be Tau because, well, next time we do this, next episode will probably be big FAQ. But uh, and next then, time, and then Midwest Conquest, yeah, and then Midwest <laughs> Conquest. So it might be a month or so before we do the next one. But next one is probably going to be Tau because people are still like, please make Vespid. I want to see Vespid good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like to see that too. I've never seen it. Anyway, sorry. Did, didn't they get affected by the snap? <laughs> well, half of them. Yeah. <laughs> they got better. <laughs> this is data sheet doctors, not data sheet like emergency <laughs> med like brain know. surgeon. I don't know. There's a couple of units we're talking about here that might well, we might be data, doing like data sheet necromancy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So first off, we're going to start with just the the standard chaos space marine unit themselves. Obviously, this is meant to be kind of an analog to the Space Marine Tactical Squad, and it suffers from some of the same issues that that one does. Although, to be fair, Chaos Space Marines don't have the problem of being compared to Scouts, because there's a very clear difference between Cultists and Chaos Space Marines. Mm -hmm. The problem is that much like Space Marines and like Guardsmen, Chaos Space Marines and Cultists... Cultists are so much cheaper, and volume still makes it, it makes up for toughness, basically. Which is a shame because the Chaos Space Marines have a really slick new looking kit. Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, so Chaos Space Marines, they have. I mean, like if you look at them, there it's you know they start out at five with a aspiring champion, aka a sergeant, and four regular guys. They do have the ability to go up to 20 in a squad, which you never see, but but it's <laughs> it's possible. That right there is a change, but I'm guessing it's because... No, they, well, they've been able to go up to 20 for a while. Well, change yeah, from Space it, Marines. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Space Marines cap out at 10, whereas Chaos Space Marines, yeah, they, they go up to 20 because they fight. And actually, if you look at, I want to say, Horse Heresy rules, like, you could take squads up to, like, 20, like, when they, when they did the... Yeah. Yeah, they the fight idea is like that these are still legions, yeah. Yeah. And I think for us, part of it is vehicles, most vehicles capped at 10. Yeah, so and there was the very day. little point in taking right. more than 10. And because Chaos still only gets the old, the one Land Raider, even that caps out at 10. So there was really never any benefit in going above that. But otherwise, it's like if you compare them to a regular Space Marine, they're about the same point cost, 13 point base. They have the same weapon options for the most part. And really what sets them apart is, you know, Space Marines can combat squad and they have and they shall know no fear. Whereas Chaos Space Marines just have Death to the False Emperor. So Death to the False Emperor is an interesting ability in that, you know, yes, it gives you exploding melee attacks, but only against Imperium armies. And I'm always a bit dubious on any ability that doesn't work against half the armies in the game. Well, and, and also this is not dedicated combat unit either no, so this is, is of limited utility for a mostly shooting squad correct uh they also they have legion traits much like space marines have chapter traits and then there's the mark of chaos which once upon a time did a thing uh used to be um if, if you came in in eighth edition you may not be aware of this but in previous editions chaos space marines could take a mark or choose to be undivided as as their mark and just basically like I serve chaos in general or I just don't like picking sides and and you don't I don't think you have the option to take yeah it has to be one corn zinch nurgle or slanesh you don't really get an option for not picking these days but it mm -hmm. also included a mechanical benefit which was usually uh, like 
I think it was plus one attack for corn, plus one toughness for Nurgle, plus one to your like either gaining an invulnerable save or improving your invulnerable save by one if uh, you took Zinch. And if you took Slanesh, you got plus one initiative, which is a stat that doesn't exist anymore, which is why Emperor's Children just because they are Slanesh Space Marines fight first. But only if you take Emperor's Children as your chapter tactic. The mark itself, again, still does nothing. None of these marks in the current current game, the mark is just a faction keyword. So it's like a tattoo. It's like a tattoo that mark yes. that that literally marks you as being part of a gang, but doesn't do anything. Um, now, to be fair, there are stratagems that trigger off of that. There are relics that can only be used by mem- by models like characters with certain marks. There's you know psychic powers like if you are a sorcerer, you can have this psychic discipline based on what mark you have, or you could be a corn. In which case, why the hell are you a sorcerer? We don't believe in that. <laughs> But for like a standard Chaos Space Marine, the mark doesn't do anything anymore. And I'm wondering, you know, and that that was one of the things that used to like set Space Marines, Chaos Space Marines apart was that by giving themselves over to a particular god of chaos, they improved themselves somehow. And depending on which Chaos Codex you go for, like if you look at the the old 3.5, which is considered... <laughs> the high watermark for game imbalance and also power for Chaos Space Marine armies, because my god, they had ridiculous number of options in that book. If you took the mark, uh, like it would, yeah, you'd get like the like mark of corn was like plus one attack, at, but you also like you had to charge the nearest thing, and like there was a whole lot of mechanical benefits. And then if you ever, and then if you wanted to play World Eaters, just everybody had to have the mark of chaos. Or the, the Mark of Corn. Like, if you want to play Emperor's Children, everybody had to have Mark of Slanesh, but then that also, like, any units that had Mark of Slanesh could use noise weapons. There wasn't, like, a separate noise marine squad necessarily. You could just, like, you could have sonic weapons on your land raiders and predators <laughs> and dreadnoughts. And so there was just, like, all kinds of cool stuff you could do. And now Chaos Space Marines, as they are, feel just kind of vanilla. And you don't see them very much. Most people are taking cultists as their troop choice because they're cheaper and they let you take the other things more. Whereas the cast, like regular chaos space Marines don't much like tactical squads. They don't provide enough flexibility or bang for their buck. So some of what we talked about last episode for tactical Marines, such as like giving the improving their armor or giving them an extra wound or stuff like that that could also apply to chaos space marines but is that enough is that enough to really make them feel like chaos space marines and make them worthy to take on the table so i've always thought you know and this is a conversation we've had a lot on the podcast i've always thought that chaos things should be you know very similar to the imperium version plus whatever the chaos thing is which is why i always loved the mark system because you got a little, you know, a free bonus. You gave up and they shall know no fear, but you got like a God bonus. Um, and typically, unless you were playing one of the specific, you know, world eaters, emperor's children, you always took Nurgle because toughness is, is great. Yeah. But like, if you could figure out a way to balance those four out and, and create those marks in such a way that like, there's tangible benefits that are pretty equal with, between all four of them then I would love to see them have the marks do something. And I think that would be the single biggest thing that can make tax squads in particular 
but these all the other all the units we talk about today uh, better mm-hmm. because I just think there's just a small little buff, you know, you know, for corn one extra attack for you know Zinch, the invuln save is a nice idea because yeah, you're taking a chaos marine from a no invuln save to a six up invuln isn't game breaking, but it's a nice to have, right? Um, you know, for Nurgle maybe rather than plus one toughness because pff, that's really good. Maybe plus one armor or, you know, um, maybe you get maybe you get a six up uh, disgustingly resilient instead. And you basically have, OK, it's effectively the same as Zinch, but yeah, you're getting six up. Um, and then for Slanesh. See, I would I would probably go like plus one strength for corn and plus one attack for for Slanesh. Yeah, that could work. Yeah, I could see that because then it, yeah. that pairs pretty well, because if you play <laughs> world eaters, you get extra attacks. Yeah, no, that that actually yeah, works. Yeah, plus one strength for corn, plus one attack for Slanesh. Right, because Slanesh has always kind of gotten the least meaningful and least useful powers. Yeah. So mm-hmm. especially in a thing of weight of fire, yeah, having an extra attack kind of gives them the weight of fire and also makes them feel like they're faster because they're attacking more. Right. Right. Okay. Well, it's like like if you look at you look at berserkers and noise marines together. Like berserkers are already strength five. Noise yep. Marines are, and they, you know, yes, Berserkers have more attacks than a regular Chaos Space Marine, but they would basically get the best of both worlds. They would have the plus one strength and the extra attacks. Noise Marines don't have the plus one strength, but they've already got more attacks than a Plague Marines or Rubric Marines or regular Chaos Space Marines. So it's already kind of worked, you know, worked in in that respect. So it wouldn't be that big a change. And you yeah. would just, you would just basically update those data sheets and say, or like put in the rule like on the marks, these four units already have it figured in. And then that would give, give a unit like uh, Abaddon, like that would expl- help explain some of his stats. You wouldn't, you wouldn't apply the bonuses, you would just say he already has all of them. But because he has all mm-hmm. four keywords, and if you look at him, he's strength five, toughness five, six attacks. He's got an invulnerable save. So... Yeah. He has all of those abilities rolled in. It wouldn't be that far a stretch. And then the few characters that don't have one, um, like like Harkin World Claimer doesn't have one. He doesn't he doesn't have a mark. So and he can't take one. Demon princes don't have marks. They have allegiances which give them demon abilities, but they're already got stats that are high enough that it really doesn't make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, Karn's already strength five. Lucius the Eternal already has five attacks. Yeah, it's like the the characters where it makes sense, and then that also gives your chaos. Like, what makes a chaos lord? Like, why would anyone bother going falling to chaos if there's no tangible benefit? Now there is, right? And a chaos lord should be slightly better than a captain, and that would also fit with the fluff where they're scary. They have the gifts of chaos. That actually that is what gives them an edge. And I I think you apply a rule. Kind of like they've got the more uh, the mortal men rule, or merely mortal rule for cultists, where they never get uh, chapter or they never get legion traits. Mm-hmm. Uh, cult chaos cultists also never get the benefit from marks. They're merely yeah. human. They're they're cultists. They're following, but they haven't given themselves over entirely. They don't have the magical tattoos yet. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that's a good way to differentiate a lot of these units and just kind of make again, like as we talked about last time, it's like, I don't want to make tactical Marines better by making intercessors or scouts worse. I just want to give them a specific role. And I think what you do here is to give chaos Marines a specific role. 
you just make it so that they benefit from things that cultists don't. Right. And and I think that, you know, you still have you still there's still room for your cheap cannon fodder. Um and you know, cultists are still gonna get played, but give give the Marines, you know, a benefit for being, you know, five or six points more per model and like having better weapons and having, you know, superhuman abilities. So let's give them that back. Right, right. And again, make it feel like they they fell to chaos, but the reason they go over to chaos, and also it explains like why would any renegade go to chaos? Well, because there's tangible benefits to doing so. Yeah. Just at cake. the cost of your soul. <laughs> we have cake. Yeah. <laughs> um, as far as their weapons, I, I like the weapon options they have. Um, I do like the fact that like the like the Reaper Chain Cannon is an option they can take in their squad, which mm-hmm. is something that regular Marines don't really have. Yeah, they don't have grav weapons, but you also don't see those much anymore anyway. But even then, it's like, it, it makes sense. Like, they, they've they got the chain can, they've got auto can. They, you know, they, they use older technology from, like, the time of the Horse Heresy. It would be nice if they could take a couple of things that you only see from Horse Heresy, like Volkite Blasters. Stuff like yep. that. It's like, again, one per squad. It's like, you you know, they're limited, they're rare, but it would be kind of cool to have more of those options available. Yeah, and I think that's one of the big things with the new kit that they've released. I think that's helped that because before when you just had less limit, you had all the same versions, uh, options as tax Marines, except less. Now it's like, okay, well, we've got a few different options that make us feel unique, um, you know, and make it feel where it's like, no, this is, not just a tax squad with fewer options. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they, they have to feel unique. They have to, and yeah. And, and make them feel like something. Yeah. They shouldn't just feel like tax squads with, with pointy bits on them. And that, that does help differentiate them. And then again, giving them the, giving their marks functional capability over cultists would make them an, an interesting choice compared to cultists. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, you're still going to see a lot of people taking Nurgle because, as you said, plus one toughness is still generally better, but it would still be a thing to take. And there's enough yeah. people out there who have taken, like, they have Nurgle bikers. There's no benefit in taking a Nurgle biker right now. None at all. But there's plenty of people that built them. Yeah. Can't use them in their Death Guard army because it's not a viable choice. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and, and yeah, that's a fix. That is something that, like you said, would address a lot of the issues that we see this army hell brutes with uh the marks like a corn hell brute with strength seven instead of six or a uh slanesh hell brute with five attacks instead of four or a ugh, a nurgle hell brute with tough eight instead of seven that would be huge it's like there would be there'd be a reason to play a nurgle hell brute out like because there's no reason to play one in death guard because they don't get the benefit of right being death guard and i think that's the other thing is having the option to buff your toughness in a Chaos Space Marine army by taking Nurgle would make Nurgle Renegade chapters a, a, an honest option and something you could run like, I'm going to run a Death Guard detachment and then I'm going to run a like Purge detachment that is like my Renegades that have like my bikes and my Hellbrutes and stuff because they're not going to get the other benefits anyway. So I'm going to run those here and then I'll run the Death Guard for like the Plague Marines and stuff because I do get the benefits there. Yeah, that would that would be yeah. good. That would be good. So let's move on to our next unit, which is gonna be possessed. Uh, possessed have always been in a very weird spot in the, mm-hmm. in the book. They've never been 
amazingly good. And they also have the problem that in past versions, they were always very random. Now they're somewhat random because their number of attacks is random. And you, so it's an assault unit. They have no shooting attacks, but they have a random number of attacks, which could be one. Because right. you, you roll a D3 for them, it could be one. And that's not good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Like, the only time that Possessed have ever been of use, in my experience, was the brief sliver of time where the Corn Demonkin Codex existed. And they were kind of a linchpin for that because they you had all of these extra benefits that you could add on to them. You, you know, you got your blood tithe points. You could then add in these extra things, and they benefited from all the demon stuff and from the Space Marine stuff. So, like there was a lot of really cool interplay with that. And I think that's like, obviously the corn demon King codex isn't coming back anytime soon. No, but I think there's a lot of interesting things you can do with them being an overlap between demons and Marines, just like demon princes. Um, you know, you see demon princes a lot because they, they buff things up and they do these, you know, they add benefits to both. They've already done that a little bit with the greater possessed, so I don't really want to steal the greater possessed thunder of like, okay, make them basically lieutenants or whatever. Right. But I think that you could overlap and come up with some abilities that where these guys would, you know, the possessed, you could play up that they benefit from both. They benefit from demon, you know, loci. They benefit from, you know, demon um, stratagems and marine stratagems. And I think that like they would be really good to like, as a good bridge between those two armies. I don't really know like what the best way to use that would be, but I, I just think that there's something there that you could probably do with them. Right. Right. No, I think that like you could have them, you know, have like possessed, be able to take, you know, some things out of the demon codex, potentially have some different options, I think would allow them to kind of operate in that middle ground a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just, you know, they have the demon keyword, but not the demon faction keyword which i understand why they didn't want to give them that i mean honestly i think they probably should have it though yeah i mean because i think that i think they should be an option that can show that could show up in either one i think they need to have the ability and let me double check make sure they don't i think they need to have the ability to be able to deep strike mm-hmm. um if they don't currently because i don't think they, they do not do. they do not so right now but it's like all they have is death from the false emperor a five up invuln save and the random number of attacks yeah I mean, they, this is a dedicated melee unit. Like they have zero shooting. They don't provide any buffs. They have a random number of attacks and they don't have a good way to transport. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I wonder why nobody takes these guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, other than that, they're, they're, they've got a wonderful personality. <laughs> um, but it's like, it's, they need to benefit either from, you know, Mark of Chaos or from being a demon, whether that's the ability to, I mean, because all they really have, like, to show their demons is, oh, we have five up invuln. Oh, okay, but that's not that's not that's not that good. Yeah. Um, you're getting a random number of attacks. They're not particularly fast, like seven inches. Like, it, you if you could give them something like, well, especially what, like, like the fact that like the kit for making possessed has wings in the kit that have yeah. no effect whatsoever. Like, there's two backpacks well, in like, there that give have them wings. The ability- yeah, and the, and they're great. I I love those. I love those bits. The, yeah, the possessed kit is one of those that I don't know that anybody's ever actually bought it to make possessed. They just buy it to kit bash other things because it's a great kit. But the unit's always been bad. Yeah. Um, 
give them give them the ability to upgrade to to wings or whatever. And hey, look, now they have the fly keyword and, a 12 and inch they wing. move 12 inch, 12 inches. That right there would make them would make them viable. They also like I the the random number of attacks. I think it's one of those things that like they had back in the day because it was like it was chaosy and random and fluffy and weird. And it just yeah. needs to go away. Just give them like three. They give them three attacks each. The greater possessed have five attacks. Just give them a, yeah. a three. Yeah. I mean, there's. Yeah. And then and then you can buff it with if you add in the mark system, you could potentially buff it with marks or if you, you know, you take the appropriate legion, then you could add extra attacks through that. So, right. Yeah. Three seems like a good number. That way you can run or like every rat, like they have three base attacks and then like every round you roll in on a four up, they get an extra attack. That would yeah. be fine, or get to attack twice, or something like that. You know, it's like, or because mm-hmm. um, you you want to make sure that they they're still differentiated from like raptors, which are also dedicated yep. jump close combat. You don't want to steal the thunder from raptors, but or warp talons or warp as, talons. As, yeah, because those are actually specifically demons. So yeah, they are or, basically yeah, possessed. So yeah, it's like you got to be careful about making possessed too much. You know better and if we look at the points cost um like right now possessed one problem is possessed are 20 points a piece you are not getting 20 points worth of value there no no not at all i would drop the points on them pro- a bit uh to compare with raptors raptors are 15 points warp talons are 12 but then warp talons also pay for their lightning claws so they're 24 sure. with the lightning claws raptors are so um, i mean it, the the thing is is you can make them just like warp talons, make them similar to warp talons, but warp talons have like less attacks, but stronger hitting attacks because they have the the lightning claws and the possessed just have more attacks. Yeah, there you go. It's like, yeah. do you want volume yeah. or do you want attacks that will actually, because like warp, you know, lightning claws, you reroll, failed, and you get an extra attack if you have two lightning claws, which they do. Right. So, yeah, have the yeah. possessed be just, like, a fixed... But that extra attack is, well, they normally have one. Right. So, they, so they, so warp talons are attacking, getting two attacks. Yeah, let the possessed get three with a chance for more. But make them maybe... If you take the wings, they should be maybe the same cost as warp talons. Like, have them yeah. work out to, like, make it a... Maybe drop them to, like, 17. Make, cost, make them cost, like... Primaris, because that's basically what a possessed should be is kind of a Primaris Chaos Marine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. then and then if you want them to fly, it's seven points per model, and that makes them cost the same as Raptors. And then you choose do I want the higher strength and more attacks, but less consistency, or do I want the same number of att- do I want the lower attacks, but my attacks are more likely to wound? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Warp Talons also have there when they deep strike, they can't be overwatched. Yeah. Yeah. I think you let them keep that. I don't think you necessarily give that to possess. But yeah, I think that you could definitely create them as a as a dedicated fast assault unit that could differentiate themselves and take out different targets. Yeah. Yeah. And also they fill in different slots. Possessed are elites. Warp Talons are fast. So if you wanted to make an army that was like all all flying possessed and Warp Talons, you absolutely could. Yeah. Night Lords players love that. Oh yeah, yeah. So that would be that would be fine. I mean, let them. But then you could also just run your possessed cheaper. Like a corn army could just run them like 
put them in a rhino because they don't take up mm-hmm. extra space. So put them in a rhino and run them up and have them, you know, there's probably, that's the other thing is you'd, you'd need to look at the cost of, see, possessed. Okay. So here's, so if you're possessed were like 17 points, berserkers are 16 points. Possessed would have a fixed numbers of attacks, which berserkers, but they wouldn't, but let's say berserkers fight twice. So yep. that would make the berserker like that again. You want to make sure they're differentiated in that regard. Yeah, I think the berserkers, like in a in a world leader's army, berserkers would still have a place because of that being able to go twice and being able to take axes and and or chain swords and being troops. Uh, yeah, and being troops. So I, I don't think you'd have too much of an issue there. I think you could. I think you would see them dropped in as like extra, you know, supplements to it, which is good. That's they would have a role. Yeah, that no, no, that would be good. That would be good. All right. Speaking of units that we nobody's really found good roles for yet, um, and or good models for that point, mutilators. So, so mutilators came out last edition. I th- or were they six? No, edition? they came out in like they came out in six. I, I think, think sixth. I think sixth. Yeah. Um, and the thing about mutilators is somebody had the idea of okay, obliterators are kind of cool, but they're all gun. So what if we made an all close combat obliterator? Which on paper sounds like an interesting idea. Not in really, pra- actually. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. In- go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll let the- you get through the intro. Sorry. Well, go on. <laughs> and of course, that was back when like you could actually like change up weapons. So it's like, do I need power fists or lightning claws? Or it's like, what am I going after? Tailor yeah. my attacks to kill the thing that I'm going to go after. For one thing, the models are ugly. <laughs> they are they are pug ugly, and then. They also don't have a good stat line for doing that. And that in seven, in eighth edition, they still don't have a good stat line for doing that. They can deep. You mean it, a go. dedicated assault unit that only moves four inches is a bad idea? <laughs> <laughs> you would be correct, sir. <laughs> I never would have guessed this. Sorry. Go on. Well, they'd do better if we had them have the death watch rule where not death watch. Kill team rule where if they assault, they still get to move the, up to twelve inches. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> and it, all of all assault armies would benefit from that. Here's the thing that really gets me, especially with the 2.0 chaos codex. Now we all know obliterators got a significant bump. You can buy one obliterator at a time. They got extra toughness, extra wound. Uh, they're they actually got decent melee weapons. So they're just. You know, they're more expensive, but they're better all around. Mutilators, which are basically obliterators with pokey bits instead of shooty bits, um, did not get any upgrade. They are still the exact same stat line as they had before this, before Shadow Spear came out. So first off, mutilators have to get the obliterator upgrade if you're going to try to keep them in any sort of parity. But more importantly, yeah, they are they are too damn slow for doing what they do. And they're, the random weapons, it's one thing for a shooting weapon to have a random stat line because you roll that before you choose your target. So it's like, okay, what's my flesh metal guns going to be? Okay, it's going to be strength two, AP minus three, one damage. Okay, I'm going to shoot at infantry with this because mm-hmm. that'll just straight up kill infantry. Uh, strength three, AP minus one, three damage. Okay, I should probably go after like a vehicle with that, or maybe go after a lead infantry. It's like you can kind of tailor your targeting based on what you have. 
When a unit of mutilators is, you don't roll for mutilators until they're chosen to fight. This is after you've charged. You're already dedicated to fighting the thing that you're going to fight. And you could end up rolling strength, strength plus one, AP minus one, one damage. Well, I hope you weren't fighting anything big. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and I mean, they're strength five base, so they'll get up to strength six. But if you're looking for something, it's like mutilators. Are like, I would rather take terminators because terminators will have power fists. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> and can move five inches instead of four and already have a five up invulnerable save. So the demonic part doesn't really matter. And I so, can deep strike them and they can still shoot. I'm not of I'm not like on the track, you know, on the wagon of like, let's get rid of models or get rid of units, because I do think that, you know, it sucks to tell people that, hey, if you have these models, you can't use them anymore. I, I, I don't and still and have never seen a role for this unit. I don't know why this unit's in the game. I really don't. I, if the if this unit just went away in the next version of the codex, I don't think anybody would notice or care. So, so fun fact, fun fact, a, let's say a unit of five Terminators, all with combi bolter, just like straight up combi bolters and power fists. So they'd be 37 points. They would cost two more points per model than mutilators and be better than them in every way, other mm-hmm. than being in a required unit of five rather than three. So, so what I'm hearing here is as data sheet doctors, we're recommending pulling the plug. <laughs> Amputation. Uh, yes. Yes. That's what I recommend. Oh, I, euthanasia. That, that would be sad that this would be the first one we do that on. Okay. So I honestly don't no, know. God damn it. He can live. <laughs> we can save this unit. There's a way. This is my. Uh, well, it, it sounds like the first thing is a way to get into melee. Right. Which yes. has been a theme of all melee units in this entire edition. Yeah. Is how do I get it into melee? Mm-hmm. And that'll be step one. Yeah. Step two is yeah. fix the weapon. Because like you said, you don't get to pick your target. And even if you're in melee, like I might roll something that would be great against a land raider and I'm fighting these. But I then have to disengage and run towards the land raider, which might not be close. Right. So, and, yeah. and then it's a different turn and you have to roll again. Cause, yeah, because right. if you fall back, then you can't charge that turn. Right. So it, it's those are the two things we need to look at. How do I get into combat? And then how am I effective in combat? Yeah. Um, so this is going to be almost a complete unit redesign. It, it would have to be. Um, first off, and at the same time, these are elites just like possessed. You you take it too far, you've just created possessed again. Like, right. Depending on which direction you go on it. And maybe that, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe there is no saving because it doesn't satisfy anything that another unit can't already do. The only thing, I guess if you really want to try to like make them unique. So our, our fixes or our ideas for possessed is to make them, you know, horde blenders, you know, be able to put out buckets of attacks. If we focused on making things like this is something that you go out and this is like anti-vehicle close combat, like high strength, high, you know, high damage, maybe even, maybe some form of like even a melee melta ish ability where it's like, I don't know. I I got to I just got to think that like the only hole would be 
for taking out things like knights or something like that. And even then it's like, so I guess what I'm kind of thinking, it'd be like demon princes in that regard, but like elite versions, like, so demon princes maybe without like the ability to fly and some of the other command buffs, but like big, strong, like, um, actually I just, uh, oh gosh, what are the big things in the gene sealer cults with the thunder hammers? Aberrance, abominance, abominance. Yeah. The abominance. That's almost the only role that they that you could give them is to be like, okay, this is a small one or two man unit that just goes in and just destroys a target. It it almost has to be something like that where it's like give them – heck, give them you know strength 8 or strength 10 or something like that or you know, give them the ability to go in and just take out a target with a high amount of strength, high AP. Otherwise, I don't know what their role is because every other role is covered better by other things. I don't like the weapons. I think you'd almost have to like to do that. Maybe make the strength plus 2d3. Yeah, because then they could get up to like strength 11, 12 if they had the mark of like if we get say corn, mark of corn gives you plus one strength mm-hmm. plus one, you know, plus one strength. So now their strength, their strength six, they could go all the way up to strength 12 that would make them very capable at taking out heavy things. Then it would make sense. Like this is a sink. You could like I said, do the obliterator update that also gives them the plus one toughness, the extra wound. Um, I would say, give them an extra attack. And then, yeah, then you've got this thing that hits like it takes a while to get there. And it's pretty much going to like deep strike in and try to charge. And then it hits like a, it hits like a tank when it hits you. Yeah. That might, that might work. And then, by not being tied down to a unit of three, but being able to just take one and then deep strike mm-hmm. it in. Yeah, no, it's that would that might help. Um maybe give it a way to since its only thing is is charging and hitting, maybe allow it to reroll charges. Yeah. Because or yeah, because yeah. yeah. if it's got a deep strike in and then it's got to try to make a nine inch charge that first turn. Or add well, this would be weird. Add plus D three to its charge roll uh, as it, as its random yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That might be because you still they still wouldn't be able to go past the twelve inches, but you a plus D three would get you closer. Yeah. It make it yeah. would make your charges more consistent. Yeah. And if average on two dice is seven, average on a D three is two. Yeah. That's nine. That yeah yeah that would do it. Yeah. At, no, no, that no, and no, that, that keeps, means I was using math. <laughs> but no, but that keeps it, and that kind of keeps that random feel of yeah. The mutilator, it it would need to be cheaper than an obliterator because it is less overall useful because yes. you don't have the range ability to just like pick a target. Okay, now, or like roll my weapon. Okay, now I'm going to pick that and then I'm going to pick that. I've got to be in close combat with something. So if the weakest my strength can get is seven, that's still way better. Because right now it's like five to eight, and if it was seven to eleven, that would make it scary. That would make it scary. You're most yep. likely going to end up as like strength eight or strength nine, and then yeah, you then that's something like you can send that after a vehicle, after a knight, after a character in close combat. I mean, mm-hmm. you can you can hunt down. You know, it gives you options. Something that like like you said, if the possessed are horde killers, um, they really don't have. And it would still be a cheaper alternative than a squad of Terminators, but it would be an option. You could take either one, depending on what you wanted to do. But it would also be more powerful than, like, a Power Fist, for example. Because mm-hmm. Power Fists, I mean, they, what, double your strength, but you still end up... 
Yeah, Power Fist doubles your strength, but Terminators are still strength four, so they're still going to yeah. cap out at strength eight. This guy's going to easily hit strength eight most of the time, and if he's marked, he's even better. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that might the the extra dice to charge range, the extra strength on the weapons, extra damage on the weapon too. It ne- it needs to be it needs to be better than a Power Fist. Yes. Yeah. And then, yeah, the the extra, the stat boost that Obliterators get. See, I think I knew we could save this guy. He wasn't dead on the table. We just need to bring out the bigger paddles. Right. You still... More, more work. A lot more work. It, it's more work, but, but really, if you look at the changes, it's not huge changes that are, like, really out there. It would... It's... And it... It would give him a dedicated role, and that's what he doesn't have. And it's a role that Chaos doesn't really have anything to fill in. Although you are starting to see people now that uh, Chaos Lords can take Thunder Hammers and can al- could always take Jump Packs, yeah, the uh, Chaos Smash Captain is starting to be a thing. Yeah, uh, but they don't have access. One. But they don't have access to Storm Shields, so okay. they don't have the uh, resilience of a. Uh, but they can still get like a f- what a four up, four up in Vuln, Yeah. So I mean, it's you know it, it would be something to go along the lines of of that, but that you could put in your elite slot. But it's also so it's like it's it trundles up slowly, then sees something it wants to kill, and then charges it. But it is also something you're pretty much gonna have a deep strike all the time. Yeah. And then finally, the last unit, one of our favorites that we like to come back to from time to time, especially when comparing them to other units and similar codexes, the Defiler. <laughs> <laughs> so the Defiler's always. I, always been in a weird spot and once upon a time it was like the only demon engine you could have in your chaos Mm -hmm, army and even then it was weird because one thing i've never really liked in the chaos codex and especially with defilers is the 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 idea that demonic possession makes your web makes your combat skill worse yeah because it was always like like regular thing three like three ups to hit not for defilers everything gets worse by one the minute you demonically possess any vehicle everything got worse by one and it didn't make any sense to me and that has still carried over and like all the demon engines have that now they have weapon skills of four ballistic skills of four and that has always been a an issue and then the defiler it's armed entirely with heavy weapons so in the past it's like it could move or it could fire but not both and it was good at being an assault unit, or it was passable at being a shooty unit, but if you decided to use it as an assault unit, then it could not fire the battle cannon that it has to come equipped with. So it was <laughs> it it wasn't a really clear role on it. It's like you could either sit it in the back, which then didn't use the things that it was like Kind of like how we talked about last episode, how the dreadnoughts, like you can either be an assault dreadnought or a shooty dreadnought, mm-hmm. but like, but instead you end up with like a mixed dreadnought that has to choose between one or the other and gives up half of its capability. Yeah. And the defiler kind of does that. I mean, the hellbrute does that too, although you can, you can make a dedicated close combat hellbrute. You cannot make a dedicated close combat defiler and they already have a better one called the Mauler Fiend. Yeah. And at the same time, is the Forge Fiend the better shooty version of the Defiler for this codex? Uh, yes, because yes, because in the in this edition, more shots is better. Right, like the guns are not as good on the um on the Forge Fiend 
because that's the thing. Like, if you decide to make this thing a shooty version of it, A, it gets really expensive, but B, you do actually have really good options. You can take a last cannon. You have the battle cannon, which is the same weapon that Imperial Knights have. You know, you've, you can take a Reaper Auto Cannon. You can take really good options, but yeah, it's you're not getting as many shots. The Mollerfiend can you can take the you know the two Gatling cannons and just put out way more shots. It's it's this this one's a weird one because it's designed long enough ago that it doesn't it only has like really two shooty options. You know, like you can put the battle cannon, and then you can like put one or you know, like one other weapon on it. This would benefit from the uh, like repulsor, which granted's also something you don't see that often. But the repulsor can take like fifteen weapons options, yeah, and shoot all of them. Like if you had the ability to take all of the weapon options on a defiler, yeah, it'd get really expensive. Nobody would really do it, but at least it would then have kind of a dedicated role, right? Well, here's something, and bring up the repulsor made me think of something that would give the defiler because what what what. If you look at the Defiler, comparing it to like the Forge Fiend and Mauler Fiends, what really sets it apart is that it has all the extra legs. Yes. If it had like the whatever the equivalent for Chaos of Power of the Machine Spirit is, like their Rhino hat or their their Land Raider has Demonic Machine Spirit. Mm-hmm. If the Defiler had something like that or some sort of like stable platform, yeah, I, that actually you actually just. I just thought of this. So the, um, uh, not the gigantic Tau suit, but the storm surge, yeah, um, has the ability to drop its, you know, to to lock its legs and and like shoot twice. Give that to the defiler, yeah. Dig, you know, dig in with its with its claws. You know, he can dig into the ground with its claws. It can't move, but it can shoot its battle cannon twice. Right. Just being able to make one way to make this much better right away is like, hey. We can give you a rapid fire battle cannon for a hundred and thirty some points with a few like you can't move, you can't do this. You'd see that pop up a lot. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side, since you mentioned all the legs, it made me think maybe all the legs could be like the monstrous feet that the Titanics have because mm-hmm. and you could attack with the legs as in addition to your normal attacks and just have them by like D3 attacks per leg. And it's got like, yeah. six legs. Uh-huh. And so that would be your way to take out hordes or have that weight of things, even in melee, even though they'd probably not be using its strength. Well, I guess maybe it could use its strength. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe don't want D3 per leg then, because that's... It's strength eight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe you just do one of those where, like, when you do Titanic feet, just like what uh, a knight gets, where it's like, yeah, it's D3 or D6 attacks. Per normal attack. Total, and that's... Yeah, and it's just, and you know, instead of... being the legs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So instead of taking the, because it has four, three, two on its profiles. So rather than being four attacks strength eight, which are the claws, give it twelve attacks strength five or something. If it uses the legs, mm-hmm. you know the ability, the ability to swap out and and do kind of those night things, I, I think would be very useful. And then have it like if it digs in, you know, it can't use it can't use its feet right to attack or something. Yeah. Yeah, just some some way to, and that would only, like make the idea of defiler is kind of a mini knight, is not a mm-hmm. bad one. Yeah, it can start getting compared to armatures. I'm fine with that. Yeah, and um, can you know being able to like fire the battle cannon twice, and then it would still like okay, so if it locks in, it can fire its battle cannon twice, and then it would still have 
either a Reaper auto cannon or a Laz cannon. So it's got a secondary gun. It's got a heavy flame, twin heavy flamer if somebody gets too close. Um, you can build it out for pure combat, in which case you really don't care that much about the battle cannon. I mean, you're only hitting on fives if you move with it, but it would, yeah, it would keep it in the same behavioral area as the other demon engines because i can while i don't like the four up weapon skill ballistic skill it's at Mm -hmm. least consistent across the board for all of them so i'm 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 fine with that but yeah give them some way to either move yeah either move and fire without penalty or not move and fire twice would be good you know kind but still differentiate them from like a tank where it's got like you don't want it necessarily like grinding advance where they if it moves halfway it fires twice it still makes it different i mean yeah like so for example like if you wanted to do make it just pure like shooty and i'm just kind of going in like as cheap as possible so reaper auto cannon battle cannon and the uh i'm putting a havoc launcher on it uh-huh. it's 136 points basically like bare bones as cheap as possible And then for 136 points, you basically have the ability to be like, okay, it can, you know, crab down or dig in or whatever with its claws and shoot the battle cannon twice. You're effectively getting you're getting a night shooting for a quarter of the cost. People will take that like that'll absolutely find a role in a lot of armies. (laughs) And it also, you know, it gets it at a point where it's actually a reasonable choice against so like a soul grinder is 180 points regardless of what weapons you take Mm -hmm. on it because that's the other thing that has always been the issue of why take a defiler if a soul grinder is available because it was always like the soul grinder was better in almost every way (laughs) so if soul grinder is 180 as of chapter approved and a defiler is you said what 136 136 if you go cheap about 150 if you put the heavy flamer on it so like so stock, let's say a defiler is 180 or 120, 148 with the twin heavy flamer. Reaper auto cannon makes it 158, and then the battle cannon's free, and the defiler yeah. claws are free. So, so yeah, it's so, 158. So 158. So it's still cheaper than a soul grinder, and you know, obviously in two different armies, so you're not going to necessarily take them, and you won't take them in the same detachment. And hey, if we still have the marks rule, you could get it up to strength nine if you made it corn. Yeah. Or get it up to an extra attack, five, four, three, if you made it Slanesh. Tough eight, if you made it Nurgle. I mean, that would uh, imp- give it a four up in Voln if it's Zinch. I mean, again, having the mark ability would be really nice to to make that mm-hmm. all all gel together. But yeah, then it would. So then you'd have the Forge Fiend is number of shots the Mauler fiend is dedicated close combat and then the defiler is a little bit bigger than both and can go either way depending on how you build it yeah okay i like that also you know having the same invuln save as a knight and also regenerating a wound every turn is also nice yeah yeah you know, and then the trade-offs like i said of it being you know a quarter of the cost of a knight would be a you don't have to add a separate detachment for it to take it super heavy right but then like it is weapon skill four. It can't move as much, you know, so it's like there are downsides to it. It's not nearly as tough and things like that, but it actually has a role where it's like, and it's also a very chaosy thing to do to be like, well, let's just bring this big gun and like strap it to what we can and, you know, set it in the back and shoot. Yeah. Wait, 
Is that Cassie or Orky? That's Let's Orky. Say- Orky would be like <laughs> banging rocks together until you make a big gun. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, the Defiler as is moves eight, so it's a little bit slower, but that also still makes it like comparable to a... It is actually comparable to an Armager. Mm-hmm. And it also, you know, and if for some reason you're running an assault defiler, it does have smoke launchers built in, which is not bad. So yeah, okay. So actually, the defiler took less work than I, than I, th- I thought it might to to get it to be something a little bit viable. Well, the defiler's always been one of my favorite like models because it's a it's a very like cool iconic chaos look, and like it's always been a vehicle that until knights came along, like the battle cannon was impressive um so it's one of those things where it's like i've always liked the model and i've always liked the unit so i've had fat thoughts about how to fix it <laughs> <laughs> unlike the mutilators where it's like i have no attachment to it i've never owned them i probably never will and i i don't care <laughs> and i guess for ignoring the penalties move you do have the blasphemous machines stratagem so you could just run it forward for a turn and still fire yeah. Then they also have access to the Demon Forge, which something knights don't have. Yes, that is true. Yeah. So, no, that would be good. That would be good. Uh, one other thing I would change on the model itself, give it a base. It needs a base now. They have bases that are large enough for it. Yeah. Because that's always been yeah. one of the odd things about that kit. It's like, measure from the hull. Which is the hull? Is the leg the hull? Is it... it <laughs> everything else that has a weird form factor like that at this point has a base of some sort. And they have round bases now that are big enough to hold it. Except for drop pots. We've talked about drop pots. I know. There are multiple <laughs> issues. So does the does the soul grinder come with a base? No. No, it does not. So okay. it, it would also because yeah, it's also it's a defiler yeah. kit with a different top, basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, I just couldn't remember if it if it did. I think well, there's so. like like a hundred mil round mm-hmm. would totally work for it. Yeah. Or, again, an, like, or an oval base. It's depending on yeah. how, how well, you want to do it. Because all you'd really need to do is like if you put it on the same base as the uh Mauler fiends, forge fiends. You could get the four back legs on it, and then if the front two claws hang off, that's not a big deal. It's it's just like arms, and like yeah. eh, don't don't treat those as the hole. Here's the hole. Yeah, you you could make it work. I think with the round with the oval the oval base. If not, maybe a knight base. Yeah, maybe a knight base, but I think you'd probably be able to make it make it work with the. Uh, no, even a knight base is too, or at least yeah, wraith knight base is too small. At least it, yeah, it it's got a pretty wide stance. But it, it's time for that thing to have a base. And if that means they have to rework the kit a little bit to make it fit. The Orion base yeah. might work. <laughs> the Orion base. <laughs> yeah. And it, I mean, it would definitely work with the night base. No, it doesn't. It's actually the, the oh, night base is slightly too small. Oh, wow. It's got a very what Like, the legs actually go out pretty the, It needs a round base, not an oval base. Yeah. yeah. They, I, I know the in Age of Sigmar, the Arachnorak spider has, like, a really big round base mm-hmm. that that it fits on i i think it need to be like that size let's okay. see because the web store will tell us what size that base is 160 mil round base for the arachnorock yeah that would probably work the great unclean one comes on 130 yeah. mil round which also might work because i yeah. think the the night base i think is 120 mil wide According to the website that richard linked it's uh 170 by 105 for the night base oh is it Yep. How how big is that one, Dennis? Dennis is measuring out. It doesn't help that the legs are also posable on that thing. Yeah, that's, yeah. 
You'd probably want a 160 or 170. Okay, so the Arachnorock yeah. base at 160 would probably be, would probably do it. Okay. Yeah, some of the spikes on the shin pads would still stick out over that. That's but, that's yeah. fine. I mean, like the Arachnorock, it has legs that stick out past yeah. the base. So yeah. Okay, so uh, so hundred so GW, please repackage the Defiler with a 160 mail round because <laughs> it it needs to, it needs to have a base. Do the same thing for the Soul Grinder kit just to keep them consistent. And I think that will be about it for this episode of Datasheet Doctors. Um, and if there are any, on any of these, if there are units you would like us to talk about, like for future editions, if you say like, hey, what about fixing unit X or something like that? Let us know. And we'll definitely look at, you know, coming back to this codex. Uh, like I said, next time we do this, we'll start dipping into some of the Xenos armies, although it may be a few episodes before we get to that. But uh, this has been some fun fun discussion and kind of getting our game design chops and trying to figure out how to fix it, how to fix a unit without either rendering it so different from what it was meant to be. And also like not overlapping with other units roles. Cause that's the thing is like, if we just make another unit less good by making this one good, then we've just moved the problem around to somebody else. Yeah. So, yeah. And from there, we'll jump over to hobby progress I have built and primed and will be uh, paint and I'm painting on the Black Legion army. And as also, I have all the bases from Secret Weapon Minis, which I need to clean and paint. Fortunately, rebasing the Templar army will not take long because snow bases don't take long to paint. It's white primer, a <laughs> little bit of blue, dry brush white, add a little bit of uh, like snow effect and it should be pretty good. That'll go quickly. It's the nearly 2000 points of Black Legion to work on that. I'm going to have to go eye of the tiger on this one, but I think, I think I can handle it. So, nice. that, so that is, that is in process right now. So I have just been cranking away 3d printing terrain. Um, there is a, a company called, uh, 3d alien terrain. I think, let me double check, make sure I've yeah. 3d alien worlds, uh, that sells a not Necron Necron terrain. That's 3d printable. Not Cron. It's like, what was it? Not Crons. Not Crons. Yeah. Um, and it's great. Like it's all, uh, it's all designed in such a way that when you, that you don't need supports to print, which makes it a lot easier. Um, but like, it's all this modular, like stackable terrain. So I've got, I went ahead and printed off all three levels of their, uh, Necron pyramid, which will be in one of our, one of our centerpiece on one of our tables. That thing is enormous. <laughs> um, and it's great. Cause it's all like, you know, modular and, and stuff like that. So I've been cranking away, getting terrain built for and getting terrain printed out and painted for the, uh, for the event. We're going to have some good stuff this year. Cool. Cool. Okay. I guess for me, I was still working on project Orion, um, hit some snags. Oh, um, yeah. A small drop and the, one of the hinges on the back door, um, popped. Yeah. Oops. And I could not find the little thing. So this solved one of my problems. Dealing with the interior? Yes. Yeah, so now I'm just going to glue the door on and not paint the inside of it. Um, Maybe that works. The other issue I had was as I was filing things down, apparently I glued something together at a wrong angle just by a little bit. And that's why some of the things weren't going. So even with all of the filing and stuff, I started noticing I'm starting to see some of the filing on the outside. Oh, okay. Let's stop here. So I decided let's just stop all that. 
and got a whole thing of green stuff. And I actually have sculpting tools now, Richard. Ooh. I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm turning into a hobbyist. Um, so I'm going to be... One of us. I know. I'm going to be us. filing <laughs> off the, the rough edges, adding the green stuff, and using that to smooth it in and make that so salvaging what what happened there and then when i get this done hopefully my, my goal is i want this at least all put together by the end of the month so you can have it for show me showdown i do want to take it to show me showdown which i still need to get signed up for yeah uh, i think i need to as well because <laughs> uh, i want to be there and see it yeah see people's look of what's this thing <laughs> i want to see you bring the wrong army again <laughs> have to play one <laughs> <What>? of theirs <laughs> well i thought you were say bring the wrong army and suddenly i have slanesh there for some strange reason <laughs> Who knows? Maybe they're good in this with this update. Nah. We'll talk about the next time. <laughs> yeah. uh, for me, um, I I built uh, my Gene Steeler Cult Nexus and uh, Biophages. Okay, and started putting together an Abaddon. Nice. I I managed to get our Abaddon Abaddon in Abaddon 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 Abaddon. Does he need a nickname? Batty. Batty. He's Batty. So we got Batty and Bobby G. Batty and Bobby G. There we go. Yeah. Uh, managed to get ours built so that I've got the cape as a separate piece to glue on later so I can paint mm. it separately. Yeah. Because uh, w- trying to paint that whole thing as, like, what if you fully yeah, glue I it will, together. Would I be will a most likely be doing that that so, way with this one, too. Yeah. So what I what I ended up doing, because fortunately, GW has, like, a how to paint Abaddon the, the spoiler on their website. Mm. Or, you know, like on web, uh, Warhammer TV. So the, if you look at the cape, there's, like, a little bit of fur that's, like, a separate piece. And then there's, like, the two parts of the cape that, like, glue together that kind of go around his back. If you glue the little bit of fur onto his shoulder pad and have it already there, then you just kind of paint around that, and then the rest of it kind of clip clips on to the point where when I after I dry fit it, I had a hell of a time getting it back off mm. without breaking it. <laughs> so I I did not break it, but so it it'll it it'll, it'll snap right back on, and then just glue it in place, and it'll be fine. So. But yeah, I definitely recommend doing it as like three parts, and the way he's built. It's like you can't really paint his head separately because it's just his face. His head is sculpted into the rest of the body. Mm. And it's you kinda like you kinda have to paint him as like Terminator body, cape, and then like you can do the base separately. And that's about it. So just what I have found so far starting to work on it. <laughs> And I think that about wraps us up for episode 194. As we said earlier, this next episode will probably be Inari and big FAQ updates, assuming the big FAQ drops between now and then. And Slanesh. And Slanesh, yes. I'm sorry. Don't want to forget your Slanesh <laughs> stuff. You've been waiting so long. I have. I don't think it's going to fix things, but they're new, fun, and I'm excited for the Slanesh stuff to come yeah, out. It should be cool. It should be cool. <laughs> so until then, I'm Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. Good night, good gaming, and God damn it, we can save the mutilator. We can! <laughs>
Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2 No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com.